This is Winnipeg Sports Talk Daily with Andrew Hustler-Patterson and Michael Remus. Hey, what's going on, everybody? And welcome to Winnipeg Sports Talk Daily. Andrew Hustler-Patterson along with you, along with the CTO, Michael Remus. And oh, we got a busy show today. You know, usually these dog days in July, not a lot going on, but uh, far from that today in the National Hockey League, a ton of teams making news. We'll get to all of that and really looking forward to uh, chopping it up with our pal Murata Tesh of The Athletic. Murata will join us later on in the program. He's got a very, very good read on the Jets situation concerning Andrew Kopp and RFA potentially one year away from unrestricted free agency. So we'll get to that and we'll also get Murat's take on a number of the uh, big stories that have kind of broken the National Hockey League over the last 24 hours. We'll also head out to Regina with our friend Derek Taylor, the uh, voice of the Saskatchewan Rough Riders and the host of the Sports Cage on 620 CKRM in Regina. Um, and most of you are probably well aware of the uh, incredible circumstances surrounding Riders camp with four players suffering season-ending Achilles injuries in a workout the day before training camp opens. So we'll get to that, talk about DT's thoughts on the riders as well as the rest of the CFL as camps are open. As always, big thanks to our family of sponsors here at Winnipeg Sports Talk, Not Autocorp, Little Brown Jug, Breezy Bend, Boston Pizza, Royal Sports, the Nick and Nicky DQ Group, Aikens Lake Wilderness Lodge, Assiniboia Downs, live racing again tonight. We'll get to our picks for the Duel at the Derby later on towards the end of the program. And of course... Our betting partner, Cool Bet Canada. Um, All-Star game goes tonight. Usually one of the slowest days on the sports calendar. Uh, but as I mentioned, there's lots for us to get to uh, coming up. Welcome to everybody in chat. If you haven't already, hit that thumbs up button. And to everyone listening on podcast, thanks for making us a part of your day. If you do have a chance, and give us a five-star rating and a little review. Certainly helps us spread the word on the Apple Podcast Network. Let's get Remo in here to get things going. What's going on, dude? How was your uh, How was your Monday? Did you watch the Derby last night? Summer tradition, uh, us, uh, watching the Home Run Derby. Um, you know, I had uh, I made Trevor Story my pick. I said Mancini was like the sentimental. I mean, all performed very well. We're all kind of waiting for that main event, Otani. Um, but it was Pete Alonso putting on a huge show. Uh, that was incredible. Um, I love the home run derby. You know, for the first round, it's awesome seeing each guy go. And then I felt like it kind of dragged on a little. But it's awesome seeing these guys hit bomb after bomb. I think the camera, you know, the directing, they got to help you see these balls go out a bit better. There's got to be a better way. I mean, sometimes you couldn't even see them go out. But, they should, uh, why is there not a tracer like they have on the golf yeah. broadcasts? They used to have that, right? Like, yeah. Well, I mean, and after the fact, they're able to show the lines of all the balls. But yeah. I, I'm with you. It was a little bit difficult to to follow, especially with just how quick the guys are taking mm -hmm. pitches and taking swings. You're right. The first round was incredible. I mean, the Soto Otani bomb off was I, that was worth the price of admission alone. Uh, a tie at 22 apiece after the first round. They went to a playoff round of a minute, each hit six bombs. And then the final tiebreaker is three swings each. And Soto hit them all out. So Otani had to hit one out, fouled his first one off, and that was it. So we didn't get the big favorite Shoei Otani moving on. But Remo, that's probably fine to the Angels because he's going to be busy tonight. 
starting pitcher for the AL and hitting leadoff. It's never happened before in uh, American League history. And to be honest, um, there's only one guy that could do it. This has been the year of Otani, and he's still going to be front and center tonight. Yeah, absolutely uh, incredible that, uh, you know, someone's doing what he's doing. Again, haven't seen in like 100 years. But I I do want to give a shout-out to Pete Alonzo. Back-to-back home run champs. He was uh, the winner in 2019. He was the one who beat uh, Vlad Guerrero. And he was also, um, you know, the one who won, the person who won last night. Funny enough, uh, he gets like a million bucks, Huss, for winning. That's like more than um, his entire salary for the year. He's made, and his career is from Ryan Spader on Twitter, Ace of Spader. In his career, his salary, one point, like 1.5 million. In the home run derby, he's made two million, so he's on one of those uh, rookie <laughs> rookie contracts. So basically, doubled, you know, more than doubled his salary in one night from winning the derby. So you don't think, you know, he was excited? I mean, he is one of the top young players in baseball. He did have that belt, you know, the chain that he was spinning. I know you like that. So uh, shout out to Pete Alonso for taking it. But now all eyes on the All Star game uh, tonight. Yeah, you know, the home run trophy, the chain with the spinning logo circa the John Cena WWE title belt back in the day. The spinning logo um, was hilarious. And yeah, Alonzo was just an absolute monster. I mean, it it was a lot of fun. I tweeted this out last night. I don't care where the All-Star game is every year. Let's keep the home run derby at Coors Field. Send the home run derby guys to Denver every year. Let the rest of the All-Stars do their thing. Because Coors Field was absolutely made for a home run derby. So um, anyways, that was a lot of fun last night. We'll touch on the All-Star game a little bit later on when we get to the uh, cool bet lines. Uh, But there's so much hockey talk to get to. Just before we do that, though, Remus, some news coming out of Blue Bomber Camp. Um, We were wondering what was up with Andrew Harris, who had an appointment yesterday. It sounds like that appointment may have been with a trainer or a medical professional uh, because it sounds like Andrew Harris is going to be taking it easy for the next couple of weeks. And uh, hey, considering what we've seen happen around the league, getting into training camp, easing in a veteran player of that much importance to the Blue Bombers doesn't sound like a bad idea to me. Mike O'Shea telling reporters that Andrew Harris will take it easy for the next couple of weeks. Then he'll be ready to go when I ask him to be. And he says, also says, this is the part of having a veteran team. I think it's a Darren bombing. Uh, who we had on yesterday tweeting out the details there. I mean, I don't, I don't know what to make of it. Probably not ideal, but you know, we are, you know, more than two weeks away from the start of the season. You know, probably closer to three. So I'm not gonna overreact here. But uh, I mean, you want he's you know your best your best offensive player. You know, he's your big weapon. Um, although you know he's 34 now, he's getting up in age, so maybe you do need to rest him a bit. You don't want to go you know too hard too early. We saw what happened in Saskatchewan. We're going to be talking with Derek Taylor about that, but I think it's just something to monitor as you get closer to the start of the season. You hope that he's ready to go. Uh, I think it may be slightly concerning, but like, what's your level of concern meter here? Like three out of ten? Yeah, yeah, no, no, like even less. Um, you know, as I said, if there was some sort of significant injury that they reported and said, hey, listen, Andrew Harris is going to be questionable for the start of the season, then I think we, you know, have some bit of worry. But listen, for a veteran player that has been through this so many times before, um, you know, if he's going to be taking a little bit of time during training camp, we always see the veterans get some veteran days at times. Um, do it. As Leighton Janice said in chat, as long as 33 is good for August 5th, 
And of course, 23 days until, until kickoff. So even if he does miss the next two weeks, he'll still have more than another week to get ready. Andrew Harris is in incredible shape. He knows the offense. I don't think this is a big issue for the Winnipeg Blue Bombers, but certainly it's something that we will continue to pay attention to. Uh, we'll have more on Bomber Camp as the week continues. But Remo, today, and we really need to get into this, and we'll talk more with Murat a little bit later on in the program, uh, there is so much NHL news. Now, I, I think we maybe should start off with the damaging of the Stanley Cup. I mean, if the uh, if the Tampa Bay Lightning couldn't have looked any more like heels, the disrespect and the way they've treated hockey's holy grail, I'm sure will rankle many. The Cup has been rescued from Tampa celebrations and has been taken back to Montreal to be fixed after it was seriously dented. Uh, I believe, I don't want to point the finger directly at Pat Maroon. I did hear that he was involved in it. Anyways, Lord Stanley's mug is in bad shape right now. As you can see, if you're watching with us on YouTube, the picture that's just put up. Poor Stanley. Yeah, and I mentioned yesterday they disrespected the Conn Smythe trophy by wearing it out of hats. <laughs> that was the ultimate disrespect. And now uh, damaging the Stanley Cup. It had to leave the party, uh, the Stanley Cup. Way too damaged. Uh, going to Montreal for repairs. Um Horrible. If, if the, these guys can look any more like heels, Huss, uh, damaging, you know, the trophy. And But in all seriousness, I don't think this is the first time this happens. I remember Phil Pritchard telling us that uh, I think the same thing happened. They'd uh, fix it up uh, after Washington had it because they were using the bowl to do keg stands on. I remember they told those guys, hey, you know, maybe you shouldn't be doing keg stands uh, out of the Stanley Cup, you know, putting your whole body weight on that bowl, not a good idea. So I think this happens more often than we hear about, but uh, for a team that everyone already hates, we can just use this to pile on on them and <laughs> boo them and make signs about it and take them to Bell MTS place when they come to Winnipeg. Well, you saw that picture, though, and I know a lot of people commenting it in chat. I mean, that is, that is that's not just a little dent. I mean, the entire cup is, I mean, look at that. It's a flat line. You wonder how that happened. I'd love to get the story. I mean, it looks like literally it fell directly on that area of the cup and, you know, completely mangled it. So anyways, Lord Stanley's Cup is not with the Stanley Cup champions right now because they busted it. So we'll uh, we'll have Stanley Cup updates as uh, as they become available from the keeper of the cup, Phil Pritchard, uh, and we'll see what happens. The Lightning better be careful. We'll never get their hands on that thing again. Um, anyways, let's get to the big news today in the National Hockey League outside of the current status and health and injury issues with hockey's holy grail. Um, Remo, lots of news coming out. And of course, yesterday afternoon, as we were on, the Duncan Keith trade broke. Dustin Nielsen's going to join us, my pal from the lock shop, and of course, the host of the Nielsen Show on TSN 1260 in Edmonton. Dusty's going to come on with us tomorrow. I did listen to some of his show today. And it is interesting. I, I, I was I was very, very uh, keenly aware of some of the brushback, a blowback to this trade on Twitter. Ken Holland was just getting absolutely killed. But again, Twitter in general is such a negative place. Like people that have positive opinions don't feel confident to say them. So it's just a ton of negativity. A little bit different today in Edmonton when we heard fans coming in uh, and calling on it. Listen, some still had major issues with it. Others... We're kind of on side with it. Listen, I think Duncan Keith's the guy that can help a team like Edmonton. The big thing that I think a lot of people were had a bit of a holdup on it, and Dusty was one of them, was the fact that 
you know, really seemed like there was one team that he was going to take a trade to. Edmonton had all the cards. They didn't have to make this trade. And to take Keith and not have the Blackhawks retain any of the uh, salary cap allotment, I think was the disappointment to a lot of people at Edmonton because they thought that that would almost be part of the deal considering, you know, the challenge that Stan Bowman had to move Keith to a place where he would accept a trade. Yeah, I think that's that's the issue that most people have with the trade. It seemed like Duncan Keith wanted to go to you know one or two teams, Edmonton, Vancouver, and Edmonton. I think a couple weeks ago they, they weren't totally keen on getting Duncan Keith, and we know you know um, Ken Holland mentioned yesterday his resume, you know Norris Trophy, Stanley Cups, winning pedigree, blah blah blah. But that's not Duncan Keith today, who's thirty eight years old, making five and a half million dollars. So to pay a guy when you're in the flat cap. It's just not an efficient use of money. And if you're making that trade and giving up Caleb Jones and a pick, you know, maybe you would expect Chicago to retain some salary in the trade. So you're not paying five and a half of your cap to an aging player who's not playing, you know, not maximizing, uh, you know, the, your value per dollar there. So I think that's the concern. You know, hopefully Keith can play well and bounce back. But, um, you know, for a team that, is under a lot of pressure and had all this cap space to use. And we said, okay, what are they going to do with it? I don't know if this is the best way to use that. And now you have to, as, you know, as well, um, use one of your protection slots in the expansion draft. So I think that was, I think Chicago was the real winner by, you know, freeing up five and a half million. Like cap space is so valuable, which is kind of why this next move we're going to be talking about is even more interesting. Yeah, I'll just say this on the Keith deal. And this is maybe an unpopular opinion. But I think that there is going to be a lot of fodder for freezing cold takes if they go back to tweets yesterday by other fans. Because I know that the chart doesn't look good. Um, I mean, you think about the centers that they had. I mean, Kirby Doc was out. Jonathan Taves was out. I mean, that team wasn't very good last year. And yes, you know, Keith was not... The Keith that, you know, was winning cups and winning Norris trophies in the back. But I think there'll be an element of rejuvenation with him, with his new club. And I I think that a lot of the doom and gloom about Duncan Keith's play and where he's at right now is going to be vastly overstated. And I think he's going to look pretty good in an Edmonton uniform. I get the whole conversation around maintaining the cap space. And that these that is always part and parcel with these conversations. Um, but I, I think Edmonton Oilers fans are going to warm up to Duncan Keith being on that blue line. And certainly from Ken Holland's standpoint, he wants a player with the experience, the veteran nature of a Duncan Keith that's been everywhere, that's done it all to come in and help the the maturity continue with the, with the Edmonton Oilers. But speaking of cap space, Reem, there's a lot of it being freed up in Minnesota right now, but some big cap penalties going forward. We had heard rumors that potentially Zach Parisi would be bought out, but I'll be honest, I was stunned today to hear that not only was Zach Parisi bought out, but so was Ryan Suter. They signed identical nine-figure deals on the same day a few years back, and now with four years left on their deals are being bought out by the Minnesota Wild, and this is maybe the most significant buyout, you know, of two players at the same time we've ever seen. Um, and, and the cap ramifications are astounding. Yeah, I think so. I was working to put this thing up there. There's the nice graphic that uh, the Minnesota wild 
<laughs> tweet it out. Imagine putting one of those together. Um, so I think in, immediately it definitely helps them, um, you know, in terms of cap. It frees up $10 million for this year. We know they have to sign uh, cap resolve. They had what? They had the seven. And uh, so here's, here's the cap space. I can bring it up. This is the great tweet from uh, Cap Friendly, uh, Ace website. So yeah, frees up ten point three million this year. Next year frees up two point three million. But if for two seasons, has you only get 0.3 million in cap savings. So you're gonna be paying fifteen million dollars for two players um who aren't in your lineup. That seems like a lot of dead cap space to me, as and we're talking about efficient huh. use of money in a world where the salary cap, at least, you know. Short term, not going up. I mean, maybe it'll go up a bit, but I mean, still $15 million. I mean, Suter was a serviceable player. Parise was a healthy scratch. I mean, Suter can still play. I think there are teams, especially contenders, who are going to look look to sign him. Definitely. But that's the show. I mean, Parise, I think he was on people's list. Not a surprise. A Suter one to do both of them. Very shocking. And all this has to protect, I think, to protect Matt Dumba in the expansion draft. And you were saying to me, someone tweeted out that, you know, in order to protect him, they gave away what Hala and Tuck, and they uh, now and now Parise and Suter. <laughs> but that that seven, you know, million of cap space or fifteen total, seven and a half each. Um, it's that seems like a lot, uh, a lot, and I think that puts you at a big disadvantage for those two seasons. L- listen to the buyouts of Suter and Parise's contracts are identical. Next year they're getting 2.37 million. 2223 6.37. The 2023-24 season and the 2024-25 season 7.3 million dollars each and then the final 4 years of the buyout uh $833,000 a season. Um it, it it is amazing and you mentioned those cap those are the cap hit numbers for Minnesota. Um, the buyout cost is significant, but you're right. I mean, the savings really are in the first year. I mean, after that, it's not that significant, and that's going to be a major anchor around the wild going forward. And uh, listen, that's somewhat the uh, the price you pay for doing crazy 13-year contracts that you knew at some point would end up being problematic, uh, admit, you know, despite all the excitement when they uh, – reeled in the two biggest fish on the market back when they signed the players. Yeah, and I remember when they signed the excitement that Minnesota, okay, they're going to get over the hump now. And they've really been kind of uh, middling around there. I mean, they've won, I think, two playoff rounds. They did get, you know, they were in the playoffs consistently, but they could never really advance and they never made any noise. So I admired at the time, you know, them taking a splash, but uh, it, I guess it went okay. I mean, they were competitive, but they were never re- a real cup contender. And now you're going to have two years from 2023 to 2025 paying 50, you know, close to 15 million at 14.74. If you want to get, you know, exact here for two guys who aren't going to play for you. And we will have to see what the salary cap is. I mean, they're hoping that it goes up and that for, you know, the percentage of your total cap goes down, but I can see doing one of them and saying, okay, you know what, we'll eat, you know, seven million. That makes sense. But I think Suter was, I mean, obviously wasn't great, but I mean, he's, he was fine. And if this is all to protect Matt Dumba, I think 
at a certain point, it's like, okay, let maybe just let them take your guy or make a trade. I don't know if this was the right move. Well, you know, at this point in the career, I mean, I think they do envision Dumba as a guy that can play a significant role in the blue t- blue line for a long time. And, you know, big picture at his age, um, you know, I don't think Ryan Suter has the same track in front of him that a Matt Dumba was. But that being said, I'm with you. I mean, I was not surprised at all about the Parise deal. And we remember last year there was the potential they were going to swap bad contract for bad contract with the Islanders in a deal for Andrew Ladd's contract. That didn't end up coming to fruition. And, you know, with Parise's role on the club as, you know, the bottom of the lineup, if he was even in the lineup, I think this was pretty clear. But Suter, I mean, Suter still this year playing big minutes for that hockey club. And Remo, I'm quite interested as to the demand for Suter's services around the league, what he gets as an unrestricted free agent on the 28th. And listen, we're already seeing people in the chat. I mean, we all know about the needs the Winnipeg Jets have on defense. You know, I guess it depends on, you know, how many suitors there are for suitor services, excuse the pun. Um, but you'd have to think that Winnipeg would be a team that would dip their toes in the water. Um, I, I'm fascinated to see where he ends up, what he gets and how he can help his next team after being bought up by the wild. Yeah, I agree. Maybe he's more likely to go to a team where he can uh, he can win. Maybe Nashville, not Nashville, uh, Tampa, sorry. Um, Vegas could be a team they need to replace um, Alec Martinez. Uh, Colorado, you know, one of those teams. And he p- takes a team that's, you know, here already pretty high and pushes them up top. Um, the Jets, you know, maybe they are attractive. They're close to Minnesota. You know, he's friends with Blake Wheeler. Maybe all those, you know, Minnesota Mafia guys, as you call them, uh, who, uh, Pionk and whoever, you know, whoever else. Uh, they got uh, Sandberg, Conanato. Uh, yep. Does Derek Wheeler come back? Yeah, Wheeler. So maybe they can talk Suter in, but... I'm, I don't know. It seems like whenever, you know, the Jets are up against other teams for free agency, they're not going to win the, uh, you know, free agent battle. No offense to the Jets, but um, it just seems like that's the way that it's gone. So I would, I would like to see him take a shot, but will he sign there? I think that's, you know, that's the bigger question. It seems like every, you look on Twitter, every fan's like, hey, we want Suter, we want Suter. So I think NHL teams would probably Want him the, as well. the one thing I'll, the one thing I will say is that I think you are right. I mean, with the amount of money that he's getting, the amount of money that he's getting on this contract, uh, on this buyout, the amount of money that he already made on that massive deal, and the situation the league is in right now, like I don't think Ryan Suter is going to be going strictly to the highest bidder. I, I think there's going to be a couple things: the ability to win, to be on a contending team. And probably the ability to play. Um, and and that is interesting when it comes to Winnipeg because, you know, I, I think that because of the holes on the Jet Blue line, the opportunity for a player like Suter to really contribute might be more in Winnipeg than it might be in other places. But again, all of that will come in to the decision at some point. I will ask Murata Tesh about what he thinks about this when Murat joins us a little bit later on. But before we do that, we're going to head to Regina. Um, and uh, a big shout out. Speaking of uh, CFL season coming back, Bomber Gear and Gear from around the league is in at Royal Sports. If you haven't already got the uh, your new Bomber merch for the upcoming season, maybe even a Grey Cup uh, shirt, they've got it all there. NFL, National Hockey League, incredible soccer merch from around the globe. It's all there at Royal Sports. And while you're there, uh, check out all the amazing things you can make your summer better. Soccer, baseball, 
fitness, camping, and an incredible selection of bites as well at the back of the Royal Sports Superstore at 750 Pembina Highway. Pop by there. Of course, 650 Rally and EK dominates summer with Royal Sports. Great sponsors of Winnipeg Sports Talk. Uh, of course, we're getting into some real steamy weather over the course of the next few days. I know the, the blizzard roll call continues in the Winnipeg Sports Talk chat. I know Remus had the Kit Kat blizzard yesterday. I still stand for the drumstick blizzard. Um, but listen, this is, if there was ever a time for DQ, right now is it this week. Pop down with the family to any of the four Nick and Nicky DQs. DQ in Niverville, DQ Northgate with the drive through DQ Polo Park, and DQ St. Anne's. And if you're having a gathering, make sure to uh, hit them up on Instagram at DQ Manitoba and get a DQ ice cream cake for it. Had a gathering on the weekend with some friends, brought the DQ cake. You'll never be more of a hero than when you show up to a gathering for friends and family with one of those DQ cakes. Get them at Nick and Nicky with four locations here in Winnipeg. And of course, a big shout out to our friends at Boston Pizza. We're looking forward to more relaxed restrictions, but right now the restaurants and the patios are open and they're featuring their new Summers Here menu. couple great new sandwiches, the Burger Italiano and the Honey Dill Fried Chicken Sandwich and some amazing cocktails and drinks for the patio, including the Bulldog Margarita Fish Bowl, the White Sangria Smash, the Peachy Mojito Royale, the Galaxy Fish Bowl, and uh, some of those Vizzy Hard Seltzers. Um, of course, everything available for takeout and delivery, but it's great to be back at Boston Pizza on the patio and in the restaurant. Go see our friends at BP tonight. All right, before we get to Murata Tesh, we are going to... Talk a little CFL. If you've been with us for the last few days, the biggest story around the league is training camps open was the absolutely bizarre final workout for the Rough Riders in which four players in about 10 or 15 minutes went down with season-ending Achilles injuries. And uh, no better person to talk about the CFL and the Riders than our good friend Derek Taylor, who we caught up with just before we went on the air. Derek, of course, is the host of the Sports Cage nightly in Regina on 620 CKRM. And it is also the flagship station of the Riders, DT, calling all the action for the green and white. Here's DT. DT, what's going on? How are you? Not, not much, not much. Just making sure everybody's Achilles is in one piece here because that's uh, Larry Dean's having surgery today at one of the four Achilles injuries. Oh, yeah. Man, uh, you know, let's start there because, um, and we've talked about it quite a bit for the last couple of days since that news broke. I've never heard anything like that in my life. It is without a doubt the most bizarre injury story I've ever heard from any sport. Four Achilles injuries in 10 minutes. I mean, what do we know about what happened, DT, and what's been the fallout around Ryder Camp? It certainly sent shockwaves throughout the league. Yeah, the same day there were two in Montreal as well, right? So what happened here was they were they were doing a drill, and the guys explained it to us as a drill We've done it a bunch of times. It's nothing unusual, and it was nothing too competitive. Take a medicine ball, huck it in the air, turn and run to a spot. And one guy went down. A second guy went down. Cody Pajardo said it was like a, it was like a movie. He couldn't believe what was happening. Third guy went down. Four guys in apparently the span of like six minutes tore their Achilles uh, done for the year. And this includes three-time All-Star Larry Dean, Freddie Bishop, who's a double-digit sack guy in the Canadian Football League, number two overall pick, Nelson Lacombo, and a 2020 draft pick, Jonathan Femi Cole. Uh, 
I'm with you. I, I've never heard anything like it. And I started digging into some numbers about what, what it's like to come back. In the NFL, in a given season, from training camp to the Super Bowl, 32 teams, bigger rosters, they have between 7 and 17 Achilles injuries a year. So imagine 7 in a 32-team league. We had six in a single day in the Canadian Football League and four here in Regina. It is, I'm with you. I've never heard anything like it and we'll never hear anything like it again. Uh, um, I I mean, goes without saying, um, this is a huge setback for the riders. And for it to happen before training camp even began was uh, insane. Uh, CFLPA is looking into it. I mean, what... What's the team said right now, and how are they going forward? Have has anything changed with the way they're approaching camp because of uh, you know that terrible day before things officially got going? So they had planned to do one on ones, offense, defense in day one and two of training camp. Craig Dickinson, the head coach, said we're not going to do that. We're going to put that aside. We're going to hold that till day three, and and they did. So yesterday was the first day we saw a competition. Uh, they also asked him, "Hey, do you expect the the CFL to to?" punish you in some way. And he said, I I honestly don't know. We think we were doing everything correct. There were no coaches on the field. There was a trainer on the field, as we understand it, who they call coach Clint, but he's, he is a a trainer. So they feel like, Hey, we were doing everything according to the guidelines that have been set out by us. So, so we don't believe we've done anything wrong, but the CFL will do uh, what the CFL does. You saw that quote too, right? The CFLPA is out for blood. I, if I was honestly nothing on the riders, but if I was the CFLPA, I absolutely would be as well. Six guys, six with the same injury on the same day. Man, I, I mean, uh, the one thing is, um, I mean, I guess at some point there has to be some sort of negligence. And I mean, I'm just wondering, I mean, everyone still can't believe that it happened, but yeah. can it be directly attributed to something that was done outside of the rules or the way things are supposed to be done I mean, if not, it's just an absolutely incredibly terrible coincidence, I guess. But I mean, one or one or two might be a coincidence. Four and ten minutes, DT. I mean, yeah. I I get why they're saying what they're saying and looking into what they're doing. Yeah, and, and maybe maybe it's it is these things, right? Maybe it is the the exercise. Maybe it is the drill they were doing. What whatever it might have been. Who who knows? Uh, but hopefully, I mean, from a fan's perspective, from the perspective of the players. You just hope the CFL and the PA investigate it fully, find out what was what was wrong, what what was wrong, what was right, and get that information to every other team in the CFL. Because if there was something that was wrong, and I have no idea, honestly, if there was, but if there was, let's make sure it never happens again. Because this this has affected the riders' season for one, two. This may very well have affected the careers of three or four guys to the point where our are they coming back? Is a 32-year-old that tears his Achilles going to play in the CFL again? I, I don't know, but it's, it's a possibility that some of these guys will never play pro football again. Yeah, I, I mean, I, I was sick. I mean, listen, we've got a great rivalry between Winnipeg and Regina, and we love the games and, you know, bleep talking uh, fans on the other side and having fun <laughs> with it. But, I mean, when you think about what these players have been through, not having a season last year, the amount of time, the amount of work, the commitment it takes to leave whatever they were doing for the last year and give it another go as professional athletes and, you know, to have this happen. I imagine in some ways camp sort of started with a bit of a black cloud around it in Regina um, because of the loss of some pretty significant players um, to the Riders' hopes for the 2021 season. Oh, for sure. And guys will say, 
hey, we compartmentalize it, and this is the this is the product of what we do. But it was four guys on the same day, and there were a lot of players out there who were then in camp. This is dumb, so I'll only say it to you because I know you'll keep it secret and you won't tell anybody. But I went home on Thursday, and I was I was playing with my dogs. I was feeding the dogs, and I'm like, oh, hey, girls, oh. And I thought, oh, crap, I better not be jumping up and down because I might blow an Achilles. And that's how it's – I get it. That's super dumb because I'm not an athlete, but it's got to make you think. I had nothing to do with it. I'm not an athlete, but am I next? Is this a thing that's going on? Is this just happening to – because there's no explanation for it. Maybe the explanation is super dumb and supernatural, right? It, it, the stuff like that goes through your mind. And I'd be shocked if, if that didn't go through some of the players' minds when they got back into training on uh, pre-camp training on Friday. Derek Taylor is with us. Voice of the Saskatchewan Rough Riders coming to us from Mosaic Field at Ryder Training Camp. So where do they go? I mean, first and foremost, four players gone and a number of significant players. Um, how do they handle this going into the season? Yeah, we, we started to wonder, okay, well, well, can you make a trade, right? Larry Dean is the biggest name in that list, right? He's been a division all-star each of the last three seasons. Well, can you make a trade? But then you start going around the leagues and you go, hey, there's a lot of great middle linebackers, right? There's your Adam Big Hills and, and there is uh, Enoch Mwamba's in Toronto. But there aren't a lot of known quantities at uh, linebacker in a backup position. Toronto has one in Bear Woods, but... What's he been the last couple of seasons? Ottawa has a couple. Uh, Gerard Fernandez looks, I guess, looks pretty good. So Micah Alway is also a middle linebacker there. Are you willing to give it up for that guy? Or will the Riders just go with uh, a young guy who was with them in 2019, Aluasheona Dowu, who is, I mean, he's big, he's fast. And he, he got some reps in, in 2019 when Solomon was hurt. So I honestly, I, I think they have to look internally when it comes to these things. Uh, you lose Freddie Bishop on the edge. Okay, well, who are the American guys? Freddie was expected to fill in for Charleston Hughes, we should point out, which is a big enough task. Uh, so do we start looking at guys who are NFL cast-offs? And that's kind of where they've been going the first uh, few days of training camp. And, you know, what about, you know, Keon Adams or Tim Williams or Pete Robertson? which of these guys will, will jump up and take that spot next to A.C. Leonard. I think the one thing it does is they had hoped, they very clearly hoped from talking to Jeremy O'Day, they could go Canadian at that field corner spot because of a guy like Nelson Lacombo, in addition to Ailey Buka and Godfrey Onyeka, who they brought in as a free agent from Edmonton. I, I honestly think that's finished now because you need, you know, well, if you're going to go Canadian, you need a Canadian, you need a Canadian backup in that spot. And, they, it's, it's not the same. Book is not here in camp yet. Godfrey Onyeka is, but you can't, in my mind, go with just the one. So uh, I think that is forcing at least one change for the Riders uh, early on in the season. DT, just before we move off of Saskatchewan to the league as a whole, how did Paxton Lynch, Lynch's comments go over yesterday? I mean, uh, for people that don't yeah. know, former first rounder for the Denver Broncos, didn't get it done in the NFL, is now in uh, in the CFL. And it seems like he was, A, surprised with what he was getting hit with and made a point of saying, I want to get back to the National Football League ASAP, which I think goes without saying for any player playing in the Canadian Football League. And yet people were mad at it, right? <laughs> people were mad. Well, he's not focused on you. We have no idea. Uh, I, I was there for the, the news conference. Uh, what I saw was a guy who was in absolutely brand new surroundings, right? Like you mentioned, first round draft pick of the Broncos. 
hadn't really has never played Canadian football before. Has never played on a 65 yard wide field before where it's 41 yards to that far sideline. And oh, by the way, Canada is a totally different country that I've never been to. So what am I going to do with this? So I, I didn't take anything from that. To, to your point, everybody in the CFL. Oh, oh, if, if I can make eight figures playing in the NFL, if I could be Cameron Wake style, if I could be the next Derek Moncrief, obviously they want to do that. We love the Canadian game. But if it's worth doing, it's worth doing for an eight-figure salary, right? So I took nothing from that, but it it ticked people off, right, that he absolutely wants to return to the NFL. Hey, uh, newsflash, all of us absolutely want to maximize our earning potential in every job that we're in. So I I was not the least bit offended at, at that. And on the show, I made a point of going, we need to not just just take this like it like it was intended. He he wants to be the best he is. He's happy to be here. He's a guy who needs to reclaim himself because I think he's had 275 snaps in the National Football League, and that's being a first-round pick. That's not great. So if, if he has any chance of salvaging a football career, it's going to be here in, in Saskatchewan. So it's, it's great. He's excited to be here, but let's not, let's not overlook the fact this is a new guy in a new sport, essentially, in a whole new country. And just put yourself in those shoes and go, wow, I, uh, my head would be spinning on day one as well. Well, and I mean, that being said, I think if Paxton Lynch is in for the Riders at any point this season, that's bad news for Regina and Saskatchewan because Cordy Fajardo is the guy going forward. I have to ask, I noticed uh, a couple tweets. Any quarterbacks hitting the uh, hitting the uprights in the end zone in camp so far? <laughs> oh, what a memory that is for us in the peg. <laughs> yeah, so this was, this was a story. They were practicing on day two. Uh, Cody Fajardo has talked about, hey, usually on day three of our weekly practice, we practice, do we, are we going over the crossbar or under the crossbar this week? Because the, it'll change, I guess, week to week. And for the West Final, that was the day of practice Fajardo missed because he had the torn oblique muscles. So they're practicing on day two, and Fajardo, every ball, beautifully over the crossbar. Mason Fine, the rookie from North Texas, slides in there, over the crossbar, over the crossbar, clunk into the crossbar bombers win the West final. And I, so at the news conference that day, I asked Craig Dickinson that I was happy. It was the first question I got out. Uh, so Craig, I don't know if you saw, but Mason fine was working in the North end zone and he rang one off the crossbar by rule. Is he now cut from the team? And everybody had a little laugh yesterday. They're working in the opposite end zone. Same drill going over the bar. Mason fine hits the crossbar again. I can't believe someone someone has to pull him aside one of the quarterbacks is like hey don't don't do that stop no don't do that it's it's still too fresh it's still too fresh <laughs> show him the last three minutes of the west final exactly. and then and then then he'll figure it out um you know this is a wild season uh goes without saying the amount of time the teams have been off age on some players recuperatory time for other players what do you expect to see dt i mean I, I will say I wouldn't at all be surprised, and I've said this on the show quite a bit over the last few weeks, that we could be getting this week six or week seven of this season and be talking about a whole group of new stars or impact players that right now, to be honest, aren't really household names amongst even people that follow the CFL very closely. Yeah, and I think I think those stars would be on offense. I mean, I, I expect both the offense and defense are going to be behind, right, because you don't have two preseason games. You just have 20-whatever-it-is days of practice. Mistakes in games made by defensive backs are going to be so much more costly. Receiver runs the wrong route. Okay, well, 
Fajardo or Kalaros just throws it into the dirt and it's second and 10. Defensive back makes a wrong read, 85-yard touchdown. I, I think multiple 80-yard touchdowns in week number one. I think it's heavy in the overs with high-scoring games because mistakes by defense, I think, in my mind, is just going to be punished early on in the season, and they'll eventually correct that. But uh, any team that's incorporating new dudes in the defensive backfield, uh, like the Bombers, I, I just think there's going to be mistakes, and if the quarterbacks spot them, and the points are just going to rack up. We saw high scores early in the NFL. I don't think there's any reason there's not the same in the CFL this year. We're going to be taking a lot of overs early on when we're doing our weekly picks in the CFL. Speaking of picks, um, you know, looking at the odds for the season, Hamilton and Winnipeg, the two teams that, of course, we last saw playing for the Great Cup, seem to have the most continuity from very good rosters in 2019, but there's been a long time. Do you are do you buy the Bombers and Ticats as the sort of respective favorites in their two divisions, Derek? Or oh, is yeah. this all just based on what we had before and um, anything can happen? So I think Hamilton has run away the tops in the East. I think they're the best roster in the Canadian Football League. Um, they'll have to deal with interceptions from whichever quarterback they choose. But I think Hamilton looks fantastic in the continuity in their coaching staff to me, puts them number one. You know, well, Winnipeg got so many of its players back. There's still the question about what, what happens when Zach Caleros gets hit, and that's going to last until Zach Caleros gets hit and then pops right back up. Uh, I think the West is really tight with Winnipeg, Saskatchewan, and Edmonton's roster, what they've done, oof, man, Edmonton. Edmonton's my, my choice to be the most improved team and when I saw them early on at 11 to 1, 10 to 1 to win the Grey Cup, I had to jump on that because I, I look at that and go, ooh, it's Trevor Harris. It's receivers he knows. They added Darrell Walker. It's an offensive coordinator slash head coach that he knows. Offensive line, they improved their defensive backfield with street free agents. There's not a level of that team that I don't think is really good. And uh, James Wilder, 20 to one to win the rushing title for a team. I think might win nine or 10 or 11 games. Well, 11's a lot in the West 10 games, potentially. Uh, I think Edmonton is the team to watch. Then it's, then it's to me, Calgary and BC kind of round out the West. If there's a crossover to me, it's going to be one of those two, but yes, Saskatchewan, Winnipeg, Edmonton, to me at this moment, barring, Four more injuries on a single day for one of these teams will will compete for tops in the West. You know, uh, you mentioned some of these preseason odds and props. It was interesting when the passing um, leaders odds came out. Mm -hmm. Trevor Harris initially was listed <laughs> at like 11 to 1. And I know you had spoken about that. And not surprisingly, that number has cratered big time. He's just over 6 to 1 on a couple books right now. But, I mean, Harris the guy. He's passed for 5,000 yards. He's in an offense that seems to be built exactly for that. I'm not sure whether this was, you know, I don't know, the book saying, oh, we got to see what happens, how he works at his new spot. But, I mean, a very established CFL quarterback that, you know, was in a situation, I think, pretty conducive to offense. Oh, I'm with you 100%. So I jumped on that on day one. Like, it's, it's nuts. And I, and I think a lot of the books just kind of looked at the stats from last year. Like McLeod Bethel Thompson's odds were shorter than Trevor Harris. MBT's not even a starter in the league right now, right? So I think they looked at the, the numbers from 2019 and said, okay, here's our odds. But Trevor Harris, like you said, 11 to 1. It's now a little over 6 to 1. And I just want to point people to, I know BC was troubled in 2019, but Mike Riley was the leading passer in the CFL in 2016, 17, and 18. And you can still get him at 7 to 1. That line hasn't moved, 7.5 to 1. 
honestly, you pick those two and just call it a day because you're gonna you're gonna have profit on, on in December. I don't know. Fajardo maybe within the Jason Moss system, but Winnipeg, pardon me, Saskatchewan likes to run the football too. I, I think if you don't get on Harrison Riley, you're missing out a lot. Hey, are lot. people sleeping on Bo Levi Mitchell? And I, I guess a big mm. part of what's happened in Calgary is that, you know, for a change, there is so many new faces at key offensive positions, but they've still got the guy under center that gets it done. Yeah, Bo's not a huge yardage total guy, though, right? So when it comes to leading passer, I put him down. Uh, man, they've been whacked on the offense between running back, replacing Canadian t- uh, guards, and then, oh, by the way, Neela Casatati, the right tackle, retired this week. Kamar Jordan is back, but uh, Aaron Peck's a guy who was expected to play this season. He's retired. So now Josh Huff and, I mean, w- whatever you think, Herjie Maiella, might be the leading Canadian receiver in the league, but is Herjie Mayala, Brandon Banks in waiting? Is he Brian Burnham in waiting? Let's not go too far there. I, I think Bo's one of those guys who always gets me in fantasy or in, in when I pick him in over-unders because he sometimes he'll go for four, and then a lot of times it's, you know, we're in the twos, and they just win the game anyway, but it doesn't require a ton from Bo. So when it came to the prop bets, I just kind of pushed him to the side. Uh, DT, I got to ask you about our old pal Paul Apelis. Uh, how much of an uphill grind are the uh, Red Blacks going to have this season? Oh, I've taken so much flack for that, but it was it was interesting to see some of the comments from the Red Blacks yesterday of yeah, basically acknowledging that oh, you know what, we got a lot of work to do. We we we're roster our roster. We need some to fill some holes because one to me the roster wasn't particularly good to start with, and then two. The retirements they got hit with in critical spots were amazing. Sinopoli, gone. Oh, here's two Canadian offensive linemen, our starting center, and the guy we expected to start if that guy couldn't start. Gone. Boundary halfback, Corey Tyndall, gone. How, how could a team – oh, Jalen Saunders, of course, that terrible car crash. So he is retired slash hoping to come back. That is the ninth best roster in the CFL. And I don't know who's eighth, but I know Ottawa is the ninth best roster in the CFL. And I think Lapo is a great play caller. I think, I think he does great things with scheme to, to maximize talent. And I love Mike Benavides as the defensive coordinator. But to me, CFL and, and winning games in CFL is about quality of players. And I do not see it in Ottawa at all. So three and a half wins, are they getting there? I, yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> Um, DT, before we finish up, if you wouldn't mind, throw on your special eyewear, your special training camp eyewear. Training camp officially starts when I dig the zoomies <laughs> out of the out of the tub in the basement here. Who, who uh, when you throw the zoomies on and look at Ryder training camp, is there a new player or two that we don't know of here in Winnipeg that are popping out to you on your incredible eyewear? Oh man, guys look fantastic uh, in these. Hmm. What, from what we've seen so far, uh, I, I'm looking at uh, Luisio Nadowu is a young middle linebacker. He's about to turn 25 from Pitt. Uh, he got some reps in 2019, but now with Larry Dean's injury, someone's getting thrust into that middle linebacker spot. So we'll look at him. CFL fans know about Dion Lacey. We fully expect he's going to be a big contributor on defense from that weak side linebacker spot. The Riders are going to have to go probably – Based on what they're doing right now, a couple of Canadians at receiver. So we look at 2019 draft picks, Justin McInnes and Braden Lennius on the perimeter and then McKin- uh, pardon me, Lennius on the inside. 
will be a couple of names that I think we're going to get a, a lot of because those are big, big dudes who can run. And uh, yeah, the Riders will have a need for Canadian receivers much more than just the Corey Watson show in 2019. So those are the ones at least early on to uh, to watch. Oh, and I should throw out uh, right tackle, left tackle. He's going to be one of the tackles so far. Uh, Alabama's finest second round draft pick, Cyrus Kawanjo, if that name rings a bell from a few years back. Former <laughs> second rounder in the NFL is here in Ryder camp and he's been taking first team reps at tackle. They're trying to figure out which tackle he's best at. But uh, there's so there's four names to to watch for Ryder Camp as the weeks go along here. Good stuff. Hey, one more for you. And, and enough about the teams and what's happening on the field. I mean, I can tell you here in Winnipeg, I know just with everything that you know everyone has been through, in addition to the fact that no one's been able to see the bombers since they held up that trophy. Uh, the anticipation and excitement is significant in here and in the community. Um, despite the way camp started with the Achilles injuries, how would you categorize the uh, the province, the fan base? Uh, how fired up are people to get back to the stadium and uh, throw the green on again? Let me answer that with this. I was answering questions about third string receivers yesterday <laughs> on the show. How's he looking? Well, let me tell you. And it was it was glorious. It's glorious to be having those conversations. So people here are, I mean, our show yesterday uh, just exploded with texts and calls about how's this, who's this, where's this guy going, what about this, do they have enough speed? It's, oh, it's awesome. It's hey, awesome. are the Riders going to be able to have a full building for their uh, first game? Yes, uh, every restriction of the province was lifted this Sunday, this past Sunday. So come April 6th, uh, we fully expect 33,000 plus here at Mosaic. Oh, man, that's phenomenal. Hey, yeah. DT, great to catch up again. Uh, keep on stretching those Achilles. Even the man. broadcasters are in the danger zone right now. Um, but seriously, thanks for doing this, and can't wait to talk with you more about the Canadian Football League as we get closer to the season. Thanks, brother. All right, fun stuff with DT. Um, how about the Zoomies? There was zero chance I was not going to get him to put those on during the interview, knowing that he was had them on him at Riders training camp. And it got me thinking um, about that just reminds me of year one of the Jets being back because the TSN Jets was essentially entirely composed of infomercials. I mean, the sticky, the bacon wave, the zoomies. I'm sure I'm missing a few. You can put those in the, uh, in the chat. Farmers only get farmers only. (laughs) Yes. Farmers only. Of course. Oh man. Those were the days. Um, anyways, big thanks to Derek. We'll uh, look forward to having some more CFL talk later on this week as camps continue. And of course, the big story as we talked about right off the top of the program, Andrew Harris going to be uh, a spectator for uh, probably a week or two right now. Easing him in didn't sound be serious, but um, probably won't have a lot of 33. But of course, that's great for Johnny Augustine and Brady Oliveira getting a very important reps if, of course, they are needed uh, to fill the big shoes of Andrew Harris coming up this season. All right, we're going to get some hockey talk with Murata Tesh. Uh, before that, do want to thank our great auto sponsor at Not Auto Corp for being with us on Winnipeg Sports Talk from day one. Why not get into the car of your dreams at a great price with the help of the Not team? Pop down and see them at Waverly and McGillivray. All the incredible vehicles on site, including... Uh, the best selection of Tesla vehicles in the province for a number of years. And uh, not only do they uh, sell cars, they service them and they'll detail them as well. There's so much for you. If you have car needs, start at Not Auto Corp, Waverly and McGillivray, or find out more online at not.ca. 
Um, we've been talking that it's ice cream weather with it being so hot. It's also cold beer weather. And uh, if you haven't already tried the amazing summer lager from Little Brown Jug, what are you waiting for? It's all part of the new summer variety pack. You'll also try the new Hefeweizen, which is very popular. And of course, my all-time favorite, the goat of the local beers, if you ask me, the Little Brown Jug 1919. Now, as always, you can... Uh, Get it delivered directly to your house simply by going to littlebrownjug.ca. The new relaunched website makes it easier than ever to get those cold LBJs in your hands delivered right to your door. And of course, now that things are open again, if you've never checked out the brewery in the tap room, you're definitely going to need to do that. Head down to William Avenue. Uh, you can uh, pick up all the product there as well. But most importantly, get together with friends outside and enjoy a few Little Brown Jugs over on William Avenue. And again, the website for home delivery is littlebrownjug.ca. Check on the website as well, the garden centers that will be at this weekend. If you want to order to pick up at the garden centers, you can certainly do that as well. And a big shout out to Breezy Bend Country Club. Our golf partners cannot wait to get out on the course very soon. Uh, it is in just absolutely incredible shape right now, despite the fact that we have not had a lot of rain. If you're thinking about a great golfing home for you and your family for next year, find out more at breezybend.ca or talk to Corey Johnson about getting on the waiting list for next year. Big show golf tomorrow. We will be talking British Open, getting some picks in before we go live Thursday morning. And if you haven't already, I just tweeted out the link for our DraftKings contest. It's three bucks. It's going to be 50 people. Um, so if you haven't already, make sure you grab your spot. Just simply go to my Twitter. The link's right there and get in on it. All right, let's talk some pucks. A couple of weeks away from uh, free agency draft, expansion draft, and a lot of big questions around the Winnipeg Jets. And who better to discuss all that with than our good friend Marat Atesh of The Athletic. Marat, Welcome back. Hope you've had a great holiday, and uh, it's great to have you back on the program. How are you? Oh, man, it was a great holiday. I am thrilled to be back. I'm rested. I'm recharged. I missed you guys. I miss you and Remus. I miss the LBJ ads. I, I'm a sucker for a good Hefeweizen from time to time. I think it's a great summer beer. I don't know why I do your promo for you. You do, your, you do the promo, <laughs> which is part of your show, and I'm like, oh, that sounds good. That sounds really good. <laughs> Well, it's pretty easy. It's pretty easy. It is really good. So, uh, you know, it's uh, it, it's not much of a stretch, certainly for us or the people here in the chat. Listen, I, I want to focus in on all the, uh, you know, Jets talk. And uh, I just tweeted this out. Marat's got a great piece on, and we'll discuss this, the Andrew Kopp situation, which is fascinating, heading into the expansion draft, free agency and whatnot. But just before we get to that, Marat, what, uh, what was your reaction when you heard today that the Wild didn't just buy out Zach Parise, but... Ryan Suter as well. This is a massive, massive move by Bill Guerin and one that, you know, in some ways will, you know, give them some serious cap issues going forward. But I think they were going to have them either way with those players signed to the contracts that they had. Yeah, you know what? I was, I just, I reflected back to how stunned I was when they got their deals, right? I mean, there was an era of the NHL where teams would take these enormous swings on these players for such term, such dollar amounts. And you sort of knew even at that time, like, what in the world are they going to do at the end of these things? Like, how is that going to work? And I know that there was the fantasy of the cap going up and up and no one having issues, players aging beautifully. I think this was a reflection of like, hey, wait a second, you know, there were some mistakes made. And then the other thing that I think about is, and I think this is the obvious one that should be on a lot of people's minds, what are they preparing themselves for? Like, what is it that they're willing to go through so much cap recapture penalties, not just 
soon, but over several years on both of those players for? Is this a move that is about summer spending now? Is it this about um, their rebuild accelerated window heading into the next few years? I mean, I think that they're going to be somebody to watch in a big way in the Central Division coming forward because they don't do this for no reason. There is something coming, whether now or in the medium-term future for that team. Well, the one thing I think is a deal for Kirill Kaprasov. I mean, that is you know, number one on the list. And it gives them about another $10 million of cap space this season. But beyond that, Marat, I mean, it, not really much. And as you mentioned, I mean, they're going to have a couple of big, big red lines on that cap every year going forward um, once you get beyond the savings of this present season. Yeah, and I mean, Kaprizov, what a story he was for them. So, I mean, in terms of earning and deserving those kinds of dollars and then just trying to build around when, when you have those cap recapture penalties at issue, especially because I know a lot of people believe that Ryan Suter is still an impact hockey player when, when things are going well. So that's an interesting one to me as well. But Bill Guerin hasn't been shy since he started as, as GM of Minnesota, no. has he? I mean, willing to move players, willing to move popular players, willing to, to do whatever it is it takes. Does $10 million in an extremely short-term scenario, does that turn into this summer's version of Taylor Hall to Buffalo? Can they spend $10 million on a, on a Jack Eichel? I, I mean, I'm, I'm just spitballing. I don't know that that's necessarily a front-burner issue. But you wonder, like, why would they set that, that money burning a hole in their pocket so soon? And, and, and I'm just curious to see what comes of it. I'm not sure. I'll be following Mike Russo for that one, I think. Yeah, and of course, Russo has the, the full breakdown with the numbers and uh, a great piece in The Athletic today on that. Um, listen, I'm not sure what go, what happens with Parisi. I mean, maybe he signs a one-year deal somewhere at a league minimum and helps a hockey club. But I'm very interested in Ryan Suter. I mean, God, we've talked so much about the JetBlue line. Uh, should Kevin Cheveldayoff be picking up the phone and uh, seeing what it might take to get him to the peg? I think so. I think that he's a quality hockey player, and maybe the price point wasn't right for him. Maybe he's not an absolute clear-cut number one sort of player. But I think he's a player that helps the team. Um, I just a quick summation of the you know analytics and the various other posts that as soon as he gets bought out, people throw around. He still seems to have a positive impact in a lot of different ways. I think he's a player that has been through a lot of things and and has you know a bit. Yeah, I mean, he's a veteran now. He's not a young guy anymore, even though I seem to think of him as one. He's definitely a veteran and towards the back half of his of his career and can still produce. I think. I saw somebody say that he's probably what Edmonton thought that they were getting in Duncan Keith and that he can still really push when things are when things are in the right situation. So Winnipeg, it's it's a clear number one need. Winnipeg needs to round out that top four. And you never know exactly how they're going to get it done, whether that's through a trade route, what free agency is going to look like. There's lots of different options. And I mean, now he's going to be one more. And I think that's got to be a call that you make. Um, and then weigh against you know the cost benefit of every single other player that's available. If he's interested, there's something there. I, I mean, I, I have to admit, and I think I mentioned this. I, I was stunned that not that Parisi got bought out, but that Suter was. And you know, all of this is in the shadow of, of course, the upcoming expansion draft, Murad. And you know, there are many people had speculated that with the contracts that they had, that Matt Dumba would become available. And you know, it seems in some ways this is a very expensive way to make sure that they're able to protect Matt Dumba because, of course, you know, Suter had the clauses in contract that he would have had been protected. And that's another player that I think many people thought would be a guy that potentially could be in the in the mix for some sort of a deal. Um, Dumba's, it looks like, will stay, but I don't think anyone thought that Brian Suter would be coming to the market. 
Yeah, definitely. I, I think that the Matt Dumba like trade, especially to Winnipeg sort of speculation was maybe a bit overwrought. Like I remember in the fall, people were talking about Patrick Liney for Matt Dumba. I never really got, I never wrapped my head around that one yeah. in, in particular. No. I think that, <laughs> yeah, he's a, he's a player that Minnesota wants to keep. What I would love to know, what were the conversations like between Bill Guerin and, and, and Ron Francis out in Seattle? Because if they're willing to go through this kind of hoop to protect Matt Dumba in this situation, well, then what assets were being talked about? And what you know, can we put a dollar amount now that we have buyout terms to a first round pick, to a second round pick, to whatever these types of negotiations would have been to say, hey, lay off this guy. And it seems to me that maybe if we're going to read into it in that direction, it's a sign that Seattle's playing a little bit of hardball, saying, hey, if you leave quality out, we're going to take it, and maybe we'll collect a bunch of defensemen and, and trade them as a broker and get even more assets that way. That's something I'm curious about to watch from them. So I think it says something about Minnesota, but Seattle as well. And I'll say this just before we move on to the Jets. Moving back into the Central Division next year, we're not even going to recognize this wild team from the last time that they played. I mean, they already made so many significant changes and look so different with some of the new players, especially Kaprasov. And I mean, for Jet fans that have been watching this team in the division over the last few years, I mean, Suter was out there half the game. Parise was always a big, significant factor. Um, It it is going to be interesting to see the Wild the next time they get to the downtown arena and just how different they are from what Jet fans remember the last time they saw that team in person. You know what I'd be delighted to see um, is just from a hockey fan perspective is Minnesota turn immediately from that like defensive team. We associate them with being like, say, Italy for so many years of, uh, of world soccer and then come with this high aggressive puck pressure, puck pursuit sort of game with a new high octane group of talent. For me, that would be an exciting turn for the Minnesota Wild. Um, and and it would be good for the Central Division, I think, to see uh, to see an up-tempo look from a lot of teams, them included, Winnipeg included as well. I love that analogy, comparing it to the uh, the Euro champions, uh, Italy. I mean, that's a great one because they were, for so long, a relatively successful team, but they didn't score very much, and it was all about defense. And that certainly is what we remember the Minnesota Wild being. That's far from it, and we saw that in the playoffs, the way they pushed the Vegas Golden Knights. Um, Murano Tesh of The Athletic is with us. He's got his latest piece in The Athletic is on Andrew Kopp's situation with the Winnipeg Jets. And uh, Murat, to me, this is one of many big stories around the Winnipeg Jets, but one that I would imagine behind the scenes, there's plenty of discussions taking place right now uh, because of how important his situation is, the important player he is, the asset that he is, and of course, going forward, Let, let's start off with this. If you're Andrew Kopp and you're Kurt Overhart, how are you approaching this negotiation going into potentially a one-year deal and unrestricted free agency in 12 months? I think I'm approaching it, if I'm Andrew Kopp, with a tremendous amount of confidence. I think that what he's been able to do, play in a top six minutes situation for two years and to deliver with top six point production especially this season I know there were spurts in the past but this was the real one where it was the story from start to finish especially with that Ehlers and Stastny line he has the the numbers and players get paid for points and ice time I think he has those in in all three states of the game five on five PK played on the power play too and because he's a restricted free agent with arbitration rights a year away from UFA status For me, this is the most cards that an RFA will ever hold in his corner. 
career year, 58-point pace, arbitration, if he elects for it and goes through that hearing, it's going to be a one-year deal, right to unrestricted free agency. Winnipeg doesn't want to lose him for nothing. Andrew Kopp knows Winnipeg doesn't want to lose him for nothing. So when that first long-term contract offer arrives this month, and it will, I'm sure, um, Andrew Kopp gets to look at it and say, I don't have to say yes to the first thing that you put in front of me. I've become an important part of this team, production-wise, leadership-wise, etc. And if you don't give me what I want, well, I'll be an unrestricted free agent in a year, and I believe I can score 50 points again. Perhaps that would be the belief if you're Andrew Cobb. Yeah, well, and, and you know, there's two sides to it because, <clears throat> excuse me, as you mentioned, he's coming off a career year. I, I don't think that there's it would be a better time to sign any contract than when you have sort of, you know, pushed to another level offensively, which, as you mentioned, is often the metric that really does get guys paid in this league. Other side of it is that, you know, the timing is great to do that. If you don't do it right now, there's so much on the line in a final year going into unrestricted free agency, regardless of what that may mean for where you actually play this year, pushing it off one year means you really do need to do it again. Oh, let me think. So I want to think through that. I had not considered that line, but if you're Andrew Kopp, and you just scored 50 uh, at a 58 point pace, pardon me. And there's any chance in the world you're not going to do it again. How much money do you leave on the table by becoming the third line left wing again, not necessarily being pushed up the lineup, scoring 30 points or something to that effect? Do you leave money on the table? Are you Patrick Line this year leaving Paul Stastny and Nicholas or Kyle Connor, whoever he was going to play with, not having a huge year? And look at all the money he left on the table. Sometimes when you bet on yourself, it doesn't work out. Sometimes the house wins that situation. I guess that's the point you're making. Hey, do I have that right? Yeah, well, I mean, he's sort of bet on himself through the arbitration, and he's got to this point. And I guess there is an argument that if there was ever a time to sign a long-term deal, right Mm -hmm. now could be that time for Andrew Kopp. And if you don't do it, there is an inherent risk in going back into it and having to do it again and going through this again, albeit as an unrestricted free agent to the highest bidder. Yeah, if you're Andrew Kopp and you're not comfortable with that kind of risk, then I say that you you know you probably lean towards that long term contract as soon as possible. For me, my sense of Andrew Kopp is he's worked um, specifically towards giving himself this opportunity. I mean, um, after last arbitration, he and I got a chance to talk, and he was talking about how important that sort of process was for him because he had worked for a decade to become a professional hockey player. This is a short window of income potential for these guys. Um, and all these sorts of things. So I interpret him to be, not saying this is his perspective, somebody who believes in himself very much, who believes in his CBA given rights to maximize things as much as possible. And if I am him and I'm sort of reading the tea leaves of Winnipeg's roster moving forward into this season, if there's any chance Paul Stastny isn't going to be back and we don't, we obviously don't know what his future is quite yet. I see an opportunity for myself to step forward into, into a bigger role once again. Um, and I think that there, I think that there are holes that he could step into and maybe convince himself and believe that there's, there's a continued offensive production and therefore even more money. Cause I, I think back to JT Miller and I used him as a trade comparable for, uh, for Andrew Kopp because he was traded at the draft in 2019 for a first and a third Tampa to, to Vancouver. I thought he was the outer bar, not because he was better than Kopp, but because he had done it for about two, three seasons at that stage. And I think that's how a player establishes his value is not just doing it once, doing it another time. 
Yeah, and and I have no doubt that the Winnipeg Jets know how important Andrew Kopp is. I mean, last year was a perfect example. I mean, he really, you know, was the utility knife of the lineup. I mean, he played in all the top three lines. I mean, was significant was a significant contributor in special teams on both sides on the power play and and uh, from the um, and killing penalties. So, I mean, the value to the Jets certainly is there. And then you add in the points. I mean, it's going to take a significant, you know. Um, commitment by Winnipeg to get him signed long-term. You mentioned arbitration. You spoke, I, I'll never forget the converse, conversation we had on the program with Andrew Kopp after he's after the arbitration. Uh, and I've always respected him. I mean, he's a straight shooter. I mean, there's not a lot of BS from Kopp. And listen, that, that process is not fun, especially for the player. Um, and like, I don't want to say you could just feel the ill will, but listen, it was, it was one of those things that I don't think is fun for anyone. And there's a bit of a hangover. How, how, how do you think that affects at all? What, what this situation is right now, knowing that if they don't get a deal done, it is arbitration again, even though at the end of that um, situation, you're going to be a UFA. Well, I agree with you that it's a painful conversation. And I remember he called it war. He liked the, the yeah. specific ruling. It, and even a guy like him who really does understand the business side of the game really well would not be immune to the emotions of it, right? Like, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to completely butcher an old Paul Maurice quote about when they hire a new coach and fire a coach or whatever, but I'm going to change it. It's For me, arbitration is like the partner's telling you you're a lousy lover. Here are all the reasons we fought. Here's everything I don't like about you. There are other better people than you. By the way, let's keep the marriage going. <laughs> right like that is awkward to go through and then then commit to another two years and then and then and then re-up again so i mean like i can't imagine that it's i can't imagine that andrew Kopp is sitting there being like yes please arbitration but it's a tool available to him and certainly knowing that there's only a one-year deal available through it gives him a hammer it gives him a hammer if the long-term negotiations aren't going the way that they particular want and even if he elects for it i should also say this because this always comes up in these discussions he can elect for it. The date will get set out a few weeks from, from August 1st of the deadline to, to choose to file for it. They can continue to negotiate right up until that hearing. And, and so that if we see him elect for it, we also know that they're, they're, can, they're going to continue to work on it. Pardon me. Do um, Marat, do the Jets need to know uh, on Andrew Kopp before the expansion draft? Um, and I guess part two to that question is if Larry Simmons and Sheveldayoff are having talks with Overhart and it seems like this is really going to be tough to get him done on any sort of term here in Winnipeg. How does that affect their decisions going into the Seattle draft? I think it does. I, I don't think it's a situation to, to panic over for them. I mean, there are, you know, there's a lot of arguments that say the easiest thing a team could do is just protect your guys, understand that you're going to lose Mason Appleton or Logan Stanley or Dylan DeMello and, and just move on with, with time and accept it. But I, I'm, Pretty sure the Jets would ideally not like to do that. And if they don't believe that they can get Andrew Kopp signed long term, well, then you want to try to get something back for him as soon as possible. And I look at that in that piece and I talk about the sorts of futures. Winnipeg doesn't have as deep of a pipeline anymore. Not They have four picks in this draft. They've only had 16 over the last three. They should have had 21 if they'd hold held on to everything. So they're at a stage in their development where they could genuinely use a recoup of trade assets, especially if they don't believe they're going to sign the guy long-term. And like you mentioned, the expansion draft, if you can make, if you know he's gone 
and you can make that trade now, then it's easy to protect Mason Appleton. You're not losing him for nothing as well, as well as knowing that Cobb would leave. Uh, you can recoup some futures. Maybe you use a pick to protect both DeMello and uh, and Logan Stanley. Like It would solve a lot of headaches and is something that Winnipeg should absolutely be exploring with Overheart, exploring with the trade market as well. They need this information just in case. And then if it doesn't come their way, then they, then they need that information to to choose what path they take with it. Yeah, and, and, and you know, because I, I'm along that same line of thinking, um, and that's why I believe, I mean, I would be shocked if they weren't already having discussions and, you know, try to feeling each other out as far as what's there. Because, listen, I mean, if Cop wants to sign here, he's been a part of the growth of this hockey club. He's a very important member of the team. Um, you know, if he does want to continue through that, I really do think that there's a deal to be made. But as you mentioned, I mean, if there's not a deal to be made, Andrew Kopp is not the sort of a player I think the Winnipeg Jets would be comfortable with playing on an expiring deal and just losing him at the end of the year for nothing. He's too important. And if that's the case, especially when you consider what's happening with Seattle, some of the other spots around the league, there certainly could be a move maybe where Kopp is dealt before the expansion draft because there's many teams, and you mentioned a couple of them in the piece, where Andrew Kopp walks in and isn't just a protected player, but one of their more important players up front. And I think that probably helps him as far as getting what he feels is, you know, his value on a long-term contract, but also for the Winnipeg Jets would avoid losing cop for nothing and going through another uncomfortable arbitration hearing. Yeah, absolutely. And another thing I begin to think about on that front, because Seattle has a lot of cards and, and certainly we have an NHL wide trade freeze coming up, but that doesn't apply to Seattle. I wonder because you look at the relative lack of, of top forward quality available in the expansion draft, there are good players, but but Mason Appleton for me is a you know is a second line player on the if you look at all the protection lists I see at least, you know, he's one of the better forwards available. And there's a lot of good defensemen. So there's a possibility that Seattle runs the table, you know, that fantasy drafter who picks eight goalies in the first round and trades them on. You know, we've all played with that person. Um if they if they make a run on defense, could there be some sort of deal in place where Andrew Kopp gets moved, not as part of the draft, but as part of draft considerations to Seattle specifically for one of their excess defensemen as well? And I mean, that may be palatable to Jets fans in a post-expansion draft scenario, because then it's not Andrew Kopp for two second round picks. And who knows if one of those is going to become nearly as good as Andrew Kopp. Um Whereas Winnipeg's clear needs are on defense as well. There's lots of different permutations. And I think that this fixed deadline of Seattle expansion is going to be a motivation for teams to solve those problems. And if not by then, well, then soon after. I think this is going to be an intense window. Yeah, it's a great point. And again, we won't know 100% until the weekend when the expansion draft lists are finalized. But if there is a real scarcity of talented forwards available for Seattle, I think the idea of you know acquiring Andrew Kopp and having him be one of the key players going forward and signing him to a deal for the Seattle Kraken would certainly be something that would be in the cards now does Kopp want to go and you know be I think it would be really exciting to be there in the first year but I don't know whether you're really contending for a Stanley Cup anytime soon despite what Vegas did before so there's so much that goes into this both for the player and the team but from a Winnipeg perspective, if a deal's not getting done and they know they've got him for one year or trade him, 
I think your point's very well taken in that he would be an attractive asset for a team like Seattle to have or Seattle to move elsewhere if they don't think he fits in. And certainly there will be defensemen exposed by other teams that I think would have interest from Winnipeg Jets front office staff and Kevin Sheveldayoff to come in and, you know, help fortify the blue line, which of course has been the big topic of conversation really from the second that Dustin Bufflin walked out the door. Yeah, and that's the chief issue, right? Where we're at in the story of the Winnipeg Jets is we know their forwards can hang. We know their goaltender is exceptional. There's a clear problem. And the, the question is, how do they address it? Traditionally, that would be draft and develop. And if they don't believe that Billy Hainala and Dylan Sandberg and Logan Stanley are there yet, and I think that you know that's a lot of pressure on young players and rookies to just be the answer without any moves aside from them, well, then they need answers from somehow outside the organization. Are they going to be David Savard's first choice? Are they going to be Jamie Oleksiak's first choice? Do they have a play at Dougie Hamilton? I, I don't necessarily think so. So the question becomes, how can they best use you know, their shrewd negotiations or trade situations or, or follow through from Seattle's perspective or whatever it's going to be and read other situations in an attempt to sort of poach defensemen? I, I think that that's... When, you, when you're the Winnipeg Jets, I think that that's an area that you always have to be exploring. And now, uh, Murat, we've got, what, uh, about just what, just just over a week, really, before the, uh, the expansion draft. It's hard to believe how this is all coming so quickly. Expansion draft on the Wednesday, draft on the Friday, free agency the following Wednesday. Um, but, you know, as we get closer to this date, and again, we're going to find out this list on Saturday or on the weekend as to what every team is doing. Uh, I think, you know, we've talked about this plenty. I think the Jets would be low to lose Logan Stanley. And I think the same could be said for Dylan DeMello with how important he is to the Jet blue line. Let's just assume that Cop's situation is still unresolved and he's one of the seven protected forwards. Um, Appleton would would be probably the top forward available. And then you'd have the two defensemen. Um, how do you see this playing out? Do they give up an asset to avoid losing one of those three players? Um, or if regardless of those two, is Mason Appleton the most attractive player to an expansion team in your mind? Well, for me, I, I do think that. I think Mason Appleton is so disproportionately attractive as an asset that like all of the debates we're having, and I don't want to undercut them because it's so compelling and i definitely have opinions on stanley versus Demello and each player's unique spot in development right now but if you're mason if you're looking at mason appleton 900k restricted free agent years of team control left to me that's that's like a guarantee that he's going to outperform that contract right we saw him take a step forward this year he has unique abilities on the winnipeg jets and that he'll turn the corner on people drive the net there's there's certain assets that i think that I mean, if I'm Winnipeg, certainly I'd like to hold on to that player, but I think he's the most attractive of the assets because at 900K, you have a player who maybe you can pigeonhole him into a second line, um, definitely a third line uh, ability, and he can play a few different ways. So I think that that's an attractive asset. I think Logan Stanley is still a bit new to the NHL, and I know that I know that it's so tempting to project. Look where he came from. The AHL looked good in the NHL, six foot seven. Sky's the limit. Where is he going? But I mean, I in a recent mailbag went through every player with his resume over the last however many years, and like the high watermark for that is Jamie Oleksiak, who is a you know is a player that's maybe going to stay in Dallas, maybe not. A player who took some time to evolve into a really strong top four player after years of third pairing success, and 
Logan Stanley's third pairing success is so real and so worth celebrating, but also there's the, the idea that he was sheltered. Dylan DeMello, certainly not going to stun you with his size with his explosive hits or anything like that. Um, he's not going to light it up points-wise either, so I can understand why uh, he's not as shiny to a lot of folks, but he also just signed a four-year deal. And, you know, if you're the Winnipeg Jets looking to offer stability to people who sign with you, the idea of just letting him go for nothing seems a little bit awkward sort of, um, optics wise to me as well. So I think they really want to keep both players, but might not have to jump through as many hoops to do so as, as maybe we've imagined. Um, Ron Atesh of the athletic with us, uh, talking to Andrew cop Jets situation, heading into the expansion draft. I imagine, uh, you'll have a piece or two before next week on, uh, these very topics. What do you got coming up for the readers in the athletic Marat? Well, I want to talk about trade options on defense and whether that involves Seattle as a broker. I guess I've mentioned it a couple of times. It's front of mind right now, because I think that if you look at what Seattle can do running the table, they're going to end up with assets for trade. And if Winnipeg's proactive about that, that might be a route where Winnipeg gets the defense, uh, that defensive help that it needs. Certainly the UFA targets are out there and we can discuss them as well. Trades will be an issue. That Andrew Kopp scenario is is front of mind because I think he has unique power. But what about Neil Pionk as well, right? I mean, multiple seasons of strength, point production, power play point production, argument that he's played better than Josh Morrissey in his two seasons as well. He needs a new contract, so that's going to be compelling as well. I guess there's no shortage. It's going to be just a packed next couple of weeks here hey, hey what one other question and i can't even believe i'm asking this because of how crazy this last year has been and what really was the thoughts when this young man was selected but you know cole perfetti had just uh, i mean he benefited as much from the pandemic maybe as anyone i mean playing in the american hockey league getting to go to the world championships we saw what he did with the moose how is Perfetti's situation? How, how does that affect at all what the Winnipeg Jets are doing when we talk about a player like Cop or uh, losing an Appleton? Um, like I can't see him going back to junior next year. But again, the only other option is playing in the National Hockey League. I mean, what do you make of Perfetti's situation and how, if at all, that might affect the thinking of Winnipeg Jets brass when it comes to these tough decisions over the next few weeks? Yeah, that's a great question. And like my perspective assumes that the NHL is not going to work out some kind of 11th hour arrangement to allow these teenagers to to play in the AHL. So, you know, if it's NHL or OHL, which this is the expectation, then he's in exactly the I, I don't want to call it an awkward spot. It's a great spot to be in. I mean, not only being uh, having a successful run at the World Junior Championships, turning 19 on January 1st. Having a year in the AHL that for me, in terms of development, was perfectly paced because you have the first half where he's really making hay with the with the man advantage in overtime situations whenever there's time and space. But as the season goes on, and the question we ask about Cole Perfetti is, can he produce against men with size and speed and veteran experience? Well, he started to do it at five on five, two towards the end of that season. And now you get a little bit excited about that player. And so for me, it becomes about Winnipeg. And are they willing to play, a, to play a teenage Cole Perfetti in somewhat of a sheltered five-on-five role, whether that means just him and two great veteran forwards or him a little bit lower down in the lineup, give power play time. It's been a while since we've seen that trick from the Winnipeg Jets, I think. And um, they've reserved it traditionally for these really high-end Patrick Lainez, Nick Ehlers, Kyle Connor sort of situations as well. Mark Scheifele went back to junior multiple times. So it to me seems like 
Winnipeg should look at this. Absolutely, they should. The AHL is such a phenomenal developmental place for not just him, but, uh, I mean, maybe Byfield, Zegra, so many others. Zach Parise, back in the 2003 draft, runs into the NHL lockout 2004, 2005. So many players, teenagers, played in the AHL. We look back at the 2003 draft as one of the best that ever happened. Well, one of those reasons might be we had teenagers playing against men in this perfect developmental league. Cole Perfetti did a good thing, got good results, and now he's in a really good situation. I think there's a real chance he plays. Well, so do I. And 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 again, you know, you know, with his size and you know where he was selected, I, you know, I think the plan originally was a couple of years down. But then I kind of go back and think about the way this team has handled some other top prospects, and I can't help but compare him to Nikolai Ehlers. I mean, Ehlers was the ninth overall pick in 2014. Perfetti was the 10th overall pick. Ehlers went back to junior for a year and had a very strong year playing junior and then went right to the National Hockey League and played 72 games for the Jets next year. But he had 15 goals and 38 points. I mean, I think I could make the argument that the year that Perfetti had last year playing in the American Hockey League and the World Juniors and the World Championships and all that would do way more to prepare him to be ready for the National Hockey League than Nikolai Ehlers going back for that other year of junior. And when you kind of think about that with the situation that the, the team is in, especially knowing what the alternative is, I think to me that points that he'll have every opportunity to show that he can stick with the club. I think so. I think that this is a very real situation where he'll arrive prepared. I've heard that he's working out pretty hard, has cut some of the baby fat away, has a bit of extra hop in his step. Of course, we always hear these things during the summertime as well. Um, but I think that he's doing everything in his power to earn that shot. I think he'll get it. And I think that will I. it'll be worth looking back at the minutes treatment that Ehlers got. Because when I think of young player bursting into the NHL recently for the Winnipeg Jets, I think of Kyle Connor and you have Blake Wheeler and Mark Shively being like, okay, he's our guy. And that's a rare thing. I don't think that's realistic to expect for Cole Perfetti in his first full NHL season. So where are these other examples? How did Paul Maurice integrate these young guys and get the most out of them in a developmental context for forwards in the past? Uh, Because that's the blueprint probably for Cole Perfetti. And I think, like we say, like that's going to be an exciting story at camp because he'll He'll make it look like he should play, and we'll probably see him get into a couple of games. Yeah, B.A. Uh, BA says Cole will be on the moose. This is the, the reason why we're having this conversation, B.A., that under the current rules, Cole Perfetti can't play on the moose next year. The only reason he was able to play last year is that the Ontario Hockey League wasn't playing. It was a very unique situation that he was able to come in as an 18-year-old drafted player and play in the American Hockey League. And, you know, that's something that the CHL and the National Hockey League have talked about for years, whether they would be an exception per team. As of right now, that's not the case. And as Marat mentioned, unless something changes, this is the framework that the Winnipeg Jets are going to have to deal with going into training camp. It's either an NHL job or back to junior. And you wonder after everything he did last year, how beneficial that would be for his development. Uh, Marat, always great having you on the program, my friend. Uh, We'll look forward to doing it soon. Going to be a really exciting few weeks for hockey fans, especially ones in Winnipeg. Looking forward to seeing how the blue line in particular, but also the roster gets shuffled as we go into an expansion draft, free agency, and of course uh, the draft as well. Uh, Always great chopping it up with you, my man. Right on. Yeah, thanks for having me. Loved it. (laughs) Talk to you soon. There he is, Murat Atesh. Follow him on Twitter at WPG Murat and check out all of his great work in the pages of The Athletic. Always great having Murat on. And uh, we'll definitely have, uh, we'll hopefully, uh, you know, in and around draft, expansion draft, going into free agency. 
hopefully uh, get our pal Marat back on. But if you're not already subscribing to The Athletic, he does such a great work. Uh, and the piece I tweeted out today on Andrew Kopp's situation, very, very interesting. Uh, if you're a Jet fan, you should probably be subbed and checking out Marat's work on a daily basis. Um, big thanks to Assiniboia Downs for their support of the program. Live racing last night. Hit one. And a few more misses, though. Uh, Remo and I will get to our picks coming up in a few minutes for the duel at the uh, the Downs. However, I do want to remind you that until we get the new health orders, grandstand still closed, but you can dine in the Terrace Dining Room, but you need to make reservations. Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, live racing, going to post at 7.30. You can bet with us from home at hpibet.com, a great site. We'll get to that a little bit later on. But if you do want to get out, see the ponies in person, be able to make some wagers at the track, you can do that in the dining room right now. And fingers crossed we'll get some good news in the next couple days. And uh, in the next week or so, we can get the WST gang out for a beautiful night of live racing out at Assiniboia Downs. And uh, again, huge thanks to our friends at Aikens Lake Wilderness Lodge, world-class fly-in fishing option for you right here in Manitoba, where you can be on the water in about two hours from the city of Winnipeg. Heading out there with a couple friends on Friday. I am so excited to do it. If you're looking for uh, that spot to stay in the province and have a world-class fishing experience, find out more online at AikensLake.com. Or hit up our good friend Pitt Turan on Twitter at Aikens Lake, and uh, they'll fill you in on uh, getting you up there. And uh, actually, as we bring in Michael Remus back to the program, Remo, I promised I would uh, drop the news of the first ever guest hosts in Winnipeg Sports Talk history. And uh, very pleased to welcome a couple familiar faces from the program. Friday, when I'm out at Aikens, Michael Remus will be joined by our good friend, the host of Skates and Plates and former mainstay on the big show, one Brandon Rewicki, which will be awesome. And then on Monday, the return of the rabbi, Matt Libel is going to pop in with uh, with Remo. Um, so, uh, so Reem, we've got a couple ringers coming in when I'm away. Uh, I'm almost going to be jealous because of how much I love talking to Brandon and Matt, but um I'll be having some fun at Aikens, and uh, you'll be having some fun with two great friends of the program. Yes, Hessler. I, I'm very excited um, for those guys to come in. I mean, if you're going to step out, obviously not ideal, but to have guys like that, Brandon, who we've you know joked, spent uh, 30 minutes talking about food takes on his podcast last <laughs> weekend, and the sports rabbi, Matt Leibel, who always provides a well-reasoned opinion I'm looking forward to them. On Monday, we will have um, the knowledge of the protect list, so we can definitely get into that. And Friday, I'm sure there'll be some, you know, the off season. we're like two days in. And, uh, you know, this 30 hours has brought us so much news. We had the Keith trade yesterday, as well as the Sens hiring Pierre Maguire. And this morning, we had the Rene retirement, which we didn't get to. Big legend in Nashville. Then we had the buyouts. And then the Habs signed Dominic Ducharme to a three-year deal to be their head coach. So the NHL offseason off to a great start. Maybe we'll have some more buyouts. Maybe we'll have some guys waving their you know, moves like Eric Johnson did today. So Colorado uh, won't have to protect him, but I can't see uh, him being selected. So uh, offseason's off to a great start. It is it is awesome. We had some great polls during that uh, that as well. We can get to that. But um, yeah, uh, 
lot of fun weekend. It's going to get uh, even more fun as uh, stuff keeps rolling in. Well, exactly. And that is sort of the, the funny thing about doing things ourselves. Um, you know, you realize you have something that's going to take you away for a couple of days and like, you know, you don't just fill out a vacation form and the boss gets somebody to fill in. You sort of have to figure it out, but we're looking forward to doing more with those guys going forward. So uh, Brandon in with Remus on Friday, Libs in on Monday on the program, and then I'll be back Tuesday. And, uh, you know, really from the second we get back, it is going to be, uh, all Jets and NHL all the time for about a couple weeks before CFL season starts. Next Wednesday is the expansion draft, so we'll be uh, probably doing a million mock drafts on the program and speculating who might be taken, how the Jets might be able to benefit from some of the players that are available on the market to the Seattle Kraken. And then we got two days later, and then it's back at it with the draft first round on Friday the 23rd. We'll get through draft week and come back, wrap that up. And then, of course, free agency begins on Wednesday. So, you uh, know, I think today, Reem, I wasn't expecting so much news coming out of the National Hockey League. But in a lot of ways, I think this is, and this is great news for us, sort of a sign of what is going to come over what's going to be a wild couple weeks for the NHL offseason. Yeah, I think this is super fun. So I'm going to need, like, when the next season starts, I'll probably forget about all these moves and forget about them. But... Uh, we have had a great start. The obviously this expansion draft makes it so much fun. Obviously, um, you know, shitty for the teams who are going to be losing players. Or <laughs> I mean, clearly, I think the expansion draft forced Minnesota into these buyouts. Whether they needed to to do both of them is up to you. But they wanted to protect Dumba, and I think it's probably going to be a big L in two, like in this year and next year. I mean, you're freeing up 10 million and next year too, but the years you're paying 15 mil to two guys not to play. And it's, it's not even paying them not to play. It's the, you're, you're at a disadvantage compared to the rest of the league because of this. And, um, you know, you're also need to replace suitors minutes. I mean, it wasn't like he was a healthy scratch like Parise. So that, I think that's the head scratching part, but I think it was the expansion draft that drove them to the decision. So, uh, yeah. I mean, hey, they're in they're in the Jets division now. So if Minnesota wants to pay two players, you know, fifteen mil and you know be a disadvantage, hey, go right ahead and do it. May, maybe Suter's so pissed that they bought him out that he wouldn't mind signing with the division rival and uh, stick it to his old team six times a year. I know a team that I, could potentially use his services. I did um, put a poll up. I I know a lot of guys in here. In this chat room, um, there's a bit over 200 for that conversation. Um, wanted to see Suter in a Jets jersey, but I think it's does Suter want to play in Winnipeg? Uh, I think that is the question. Winnipeg yeah, also listen, ha- it's has worthwhile an- having the conversation. Yeah. I mean, I don't think there's going to be shortage of phone calls to Ryan Suter's agent. That's for sure. Yeah. Hey, uh, 67% of the 55 people who voted said yes uh, to that question. They want this. The Jets should try and sign him. But anyways, I said it's so funny. Like before, the Jets had all these right D. I remember Jacob Truba wanting to yeah. be a top pair right shot play D. on the right side. Yeah, play on the right <laughs> side. And he's got the big contract, which I think New York is already regretting. Um, and then we had some other polls. Uh, where was it? We had a, a it was Cop, which they do with Cop, trade him, uh, sign him to a multi-year deal, sign him to a one-year deal. 49% of the 65 people who voted said they wanted to sign Cop to a multi-year deal. And 41% yeah, a lot of fans. I mean, listen, mm-hmm. cop is, uh, you know, and man, he, you know, he earned 
he earned a good new contract. I mean, he had a career year. He did so many important things for the Winnipeg Jets. Question is whether that, you know, they're amenable to a deal like that, what the cost is, what the term is, how that works going forward. And, you know, as we talk with Murat, if they can't get that done or it doesn't look like that done, does that push them to maybe consider other options going into next week's draft? Just looking at the chat, ah, brown-eyed girl MJD. So is this like when we had a substitute teacher in school? New host means party. Sorry, Huss, LOL. I know you guys will be good for Brandon and Matt. You're going to love it. Andy Steven, going to listen to Skates and Plates. New episode right after this is done. Yeah, Brandon's got a great, great product. Royal Sports. <laughs> 67 are born complainers when it comes to the Winnipeg Jets. I, that might be low. That might be low, to be honest with you, Greg. Uh, great to see everyone in the chat. Hit us up if you've got any more takes on what you would uh, like to see done with Andrew Kopp, what the uh, contract length and term would be if he was going to sign here in Winnipeg with the Winnipeg Jets to stay here long-term. Larry Cop says, or Larry Bong says, Cop 4.5 M, four to five years, seems reasonable to me. Um, Mitch, Cop wants RNH money. Uh, RNH, of course, uh, you know, did take a bit less, but got an eight-year term. And um, geez, eight years. Although, I mean, where Cop's at in his career, if the number made sense and you got some cap certainty going forward, you know, without a no trade, I, I don't know whether that would scare it off. In fact, that might be preferable uh, for teams going forward. But um, uh, the, the, the cop situation is really interesting. Uh, big thanks to Murata Tesh for joining us here on the program today. All right, Remo, uh, we've got to get to Cool Bet today. And this is the day, uh, the most dead. Actually, I guess tomorrow's the most dead day of the year on the sports calendar. Yeah. There the is the NBA Finals. The Major League. I was just about to say yes. Yeah. Because... Now the NBA finals and the hockey's gone so late. We will not have that dead day with nothing going on because of course it's going to be game four back in Milwaukee between the Bucks and the Suns. Uh, but tonight, pretty lean, lean chart. And the only thing we really have to get to is the Major League Baseball All-Star Game. AL minus 103, NL minus 109. And of course, it's all about Shohei Otani going into tonight's game. He, Remus, will start the game for the AL and bat leadoff. Certainly not something I ever thought we'd be talking about in my lifetime. No, uh, this is pretty wild. Um, a pitcher batting leadoff, and we did see him smack some dingers yesterday. Didn't quite get as far as uh, as we thought he could. But uh, everyone was there to see him, and I think we're going to be seeing this. I don't see... Uh, oh, they do have MVP odds. There he is at the bottom right there on your screen right now. Uh, plus 350 to be MVP. I actually think that's kind of decent. I don't know if he's going to bat and pitch and AL wins. I guess there's a lot of, lot of ifs there. but Oh, good. I'm glad you were smart enough to click on the game. I don't know what I was thinking. I didn't think they have that. And now I'm seeing it all. Yeah. yeah. Otani, uh, by far the favorite for MVP at plus 350. You got Tatis at 8-1. to one. Aaron Otto and Vladdy Jr. at 10 to 1. Uh, Aaron Judge, Freddie Freeman, Xander Bogarts. Uh, you know, sometimes it's not a bad idea to maybe just throw a couple darts at some longer mm -hmm. odds players for this. Yeah. What about what about the total? It is in it is in Coors Field. Uh, the total is 11. And we've seen some lower scoring all-star games in recent history. 
Uh, I'm quite interested to see whether we're going to see a lot of the strikeouts that we've been seeing or whether it will be bomb city as the league's best hitters, maybe rough up some of the pitchers that have to pitch in an all-star game in the altitude of Coors Field. Yeah, that's a good question. As you look at the last couple of all-star games, the last one was in 2019, four to three, uh, July, 2018, eight, six. These are all American league. They're on a big, they're on like a, Six, seven, eight, nine, ten game win streak. Uh, 2017 has, how's this for an all-star game score? 2-1. And then July 12th, 4-2. So, I mean, it's gone under. The last, it hasn't been over 11, uh, even over 10 in a long time. Yeah, uh, there's probably an extra, There, like, it probably would oh, normally sorry. be like nine and a half or something, like in a normal ballpark. Yeah. Like, I'm pretty sure Cool's feed. Oh, sorry, it's 8-6 last year. Runner or two. So it's eight six two years ago. I'm reading. I can't add eight six two years ago. But other than that, yeah, it's mostly gone under. I guess the Coors Field factor. Maybe these guys aren't used to pitching there. Doesn't the spin is different? Uh, I would say. I guess you go under. Us. I think maybe is Coors Field worth that much? And it seems like the in the strikeout world, you know, the three true outcomes. Um, you know, maybe it is the under here. Well, uh, either way, uh, you can bet on it. Cool bet. If you do want to open an account and you haven't done it before, use promo code WST. It'll give you a 100% bonus up to 200 bucks on your first deposit. And the other thing I'm paying very close attention to on the Cool Bet boards is, of course, the Open Championship. Uh, odds as we speak today, John Rahm is your favorite, a heavy favorite at 9-1. to one. Next up is my guy, Brooks Kepka. Xander Shoffley and Jordan Spieth. Kepka's 17. Xander and Spieth are 19. Justin Thomas at 22. We've seen a bit of a drop on both DJ and Rory McIlroy. They were at 20 to 1. They're now 24 to 1. Other guys under 40. Uh, 32 is Hatton and Hovland. Pat Cantley, Bryson DeChambeau, Louis Oosthuizen at 34. And a group at 39 to 1, including Colin Morikawa, Patrick Reed, and Britt Matthew Fitzpatrick. If you a uh, couple things on the golf today at three thirty, I'll be going live with Pat Gregoire from Coolbet on all the Coolbet social channels: their YouTube, their Twitter, uh, probably Instagram as well. I'm not sure. Uh, talking, breaking down, making our picks for the event, and getting into the odds. So uh, if you're getting ready to place a few wagers. Um, you can use that WST bonus code and join myself and Pat for a full breakdown of the open field. And if you haven't already gotten our DraftKings contest, you should do that as well. I think I mentioned this earlier today, but made it yesterday after the program. It's $3, top five get paid, going to be 50 players in it. Um, it's super fun. I mean, of all the DraftKings sports, I mean, I love football, but golf has really become my favorite Follow your guys for the first couple days. Hopefully you make the cut, and then it uh, makes for a very, very fun weekend. So go to my Twitter, at HustleRama. We'll uh, probably retweet it out at Sports Talk Winnipeg as well. Uh, just click on the link. Make sure you reserve your spot. And don't forget, with the time change, tee off for Thursday's round, I think might even be before midnight our time. So make sure you get your team finalized and get your picks in, your bets in, everything for the Open Championship tomorrow night. Uh, because with the 6 or 7 a.m. tea time across the pond, that essentially is the uh, crack of dawn here right in and around midnight. So uh, cool bet for all that stuff, and cool bet today, 3.30, B&P Greggy getting into the Open Championship. Um, Remo, did you whiff last night at the track? Did you get any winners? 
I'm I don't want to answer. No, I I haven't won in weeks. I haven't won in weeks. We so had a couple big ones early on, so this is just uh coming it, back to the pack a little bit. It's yeah, I was hot real early and I'm trying to really just scrape it by. I'm kind of switching up my strategy. Uh so, you know, I started betting, you know, big with low number of races and then for a while I was doing like four races, $5 each. Now I'm betting on five races averaging $4 each. So I did, you know, two different ones, but uh, I'm trying to, uh, you know, increase my volume of races and hoping I can hit a big one because I haven't hit anything. I'm trying to keep it simple though. Just picking mostly straight winners. Yeah. I've been picking a lot of Quinellas with varying degrees of success. The one bet that I made last night, I believe it was on city champ. I just put four bucks on him to Mm -hmm. win that paid off eight. So that was nice. But uh, here are my picks for this evening. I'm ready to go here. Uh, We're going to go with, uh, we got a few $3 Quinellas. Race number one, we're going to go with Greeley's Spirit number one and Road Romeo. Wait, Uh, are you in the the right? uh, Oh, I'm on the wrong. I'm on yesterday's. Sorry, sorry. I was on yesterday's. Yeah, yeah. July 13th, race one. So Greeley Spirit and Road Romeo, one five Quinella. We're going to go three on that. Moving on to race number two. We're going to do another $3 Quinella, number two, Empirical Data, and number three, Maddie's Pro. Uh, moving on to race number three, my two horses for the $3 Quinella are Tapmaster, number one, and number two, Shooting Money. That's race number three. Getting to race number four. This is going to be where I do the triactor wheel. We're going to pick three horses on the $1 triactor, any order. They come in, we'll be good. We're going with one, three, and five. Honor Road, Valid Thor, and Talent Risk. That is, and it's amazing. I don't think any, oh no, one of my, one of my, um, which race is that? That is in race number four. Oh, there it is. Sorry. Honor Road, Valid Thor, and Talent Risk. And I guess only Valid Thor is any of the program selections. So, hey, if that one comes in, that might be a, be a nice piece. Skipping race number five, we're going to go to race six. I uh, got another $3 Quinella, five and eight, Big Rocket Man and Muskoka. And then final race, we're just, we got a toonie left. We're going to throw it on number six, Storm Squall to win. So, there are my picks. Remo, uh, what do you have cooking for the duel at the Derby tonight? All right. I need to get a win. It, it's honestly been like weeks after I was literally on fire to start this thing. I'm starting with race three. I'm doing a $3 exacta on two and four. That's shooting money and Trump. Um, we'll go down to race two. I have horse one Wolowitz to win. And some people have said I look like uh, Howard Wolowitz from Big Bang Theory. I think I went as him for Halloween <laughs> once. I don't know if you're a Big Bang Theory guy, uh, but I've got I've gotten that one, so I had to throw down on Wolowitz. Sure, why not? Although horse one, I hear, is not a very good horse this year at the Downs. Race four, I'm doing a $5 Quinella. They have to finish first or second in any order. Horses three and four. That's Valid Thor and Thin Line. I think you were on Valid Thor as well, correct? Yeah, that's one of my. But I did not take Thin Line. I went okay. through a couple of the uh, of the lower uh, ranked horses for my. Yeah, trial. I like going uh, chalk. It worked out for me early, and now it's falling in my face. Um, I got one, two more race six. I'm going four dollars on a horse five. Big Rocket Man to place. 
That's uh, finishing second. And last one, race seven, $4 on number one again. Oh, geez. Just call me Candy. So I got two horse number ones to win. No, um, that's nice. And Mitch, who I think is um, a far more seasoned uh, track attendee and better, has suggested that we do Quinella or Exactor boxes. Maybe that'll be the strategy tomorrow. We'll see what works tonight. I've got just straight Quinellas and one Triactor and one winner. Uh, but yeah, you can pick an extra horse and you know you pay a little bit more, but it gives you more options to win. And um, that would be good. That's what we want to do. We want to get back in the win column right, right now. Again, uh, Cineboy Downs goes live at 7.30. ASD live show on their YouTube channel is live at 645 to get you picks and whatnot the guys do a great job throughout the evening kirk and stretch um give you any updates as well as their thoughts on the upcoming races and uh, sometimes when i do it i'll make the picks and then head out for the evening come back and just go back and basically watch the races as if they were live um it's you know a heck of a lot of fun it saves a bit of time too so there's a there's a bit of a life hack from yours truly if you're betting on the races um so what's going on tonight, Reem? A little snow night. You're gonna uh, gonna introduce your uh, kid to uh, the joys of all star baseball. Uh, he goes to bed at seven, so we're kind of not not doing not doing. Let him that. stay up to see the first inning of Otani. He'll always remember it. He gets really uh, he gets really cranky, so uh, we try to get him to bed. I gotta, can see that. He's you get a, cranky too. He's got a sweet spot where if he doesn't get his bath in time. Uh, He's not going to go in. So he's definitely your child. He's dead. This is all making sense to me now. It's all making sense to me now. Um, uh, but listen, great show today, though. Um, yeah. You know, we'll uh, have some more from Bomber Camp tomorrow. Any updates on Andrew Harris? But it sounds like, you know, nothing to freak mm-hmm. out about. Uh, but he'll be uh, taking it easy for the next week or two. Bottom line, as we've heard in the chat all day long, just make sure the 33 is ready to go for August 5th. Um, and it does sound like we're going to get the new restrictions or new health orders tomorrow and that should answer a number of questions as to just how many of us will be able to be at ig field for the bomber opener on august number five and uh, of course right now if you haven't gone out to see valor fc yet they're playing again i believe thursday afternoon at 4 p.m uh if you hit the valor fc website you can get all the ticket information as long as you're double vaxxed you'll be able to go in as i told everybody last week i went to the first game on wednesday just wanted to see what the process was like and enjoy a great game and um yeah it was really easy you walk up you show your id they'll uh, take the scan of your qr code you get a green check mark and you just go in scan your ticket and uh, you're good to go and once we got into the park it you know was very similar to the experience before didn't have to wear a mask everyone was double vaccinated it's outdoors so uh it was great anyways if you haven't checked out the squad four and one on the season um, and man, the goal, if you are a fan of soccer, uh, get back to Sunday. Um, you can just go to my Twitter feed if you want. Ricci with one of the most beautiful goals I've ever seen in the CPL helped Valor get that fourth win on the season and put them right up at the top of the table. Um, great show today. Big thanks to all of our sponsors, Royal Sports, the Nick and Nikki DQ Group, Boston Pizza, Breezy Bend, Little Brown Jug, Not Auto Corp, Aikens Lake, Assiniboia Downs, and coolbet.com and Remo, we're gonna have a great show tomorrow we uh, i know the expansion draft is next but of course next week is also draft week we're gonna bring on shane malloy to break down the uh talent pool for the upcoming nhl entry draft 
We'll also go to Edmonton and uh, talk to Dustin Nielsen about what he's been hearing from Oiler fans on the Duncan Keith trade, as well as some of his thoughts going into this very interesting offseason. Get uh, a little take on what we're hearing from the Elks as well. And I'm hoping, not confirmed yet, but I'm hoping my guy Jeff Feinberg is going to join us at the end of the program. We'll uh, chop it up for 10 or 15 on the Open Championship and hopefully help you uh, get some winning wagers Feinberg has been on an absolute tear. I think he had outrights winning three of the four tournaments in June. Um, So great time to talk to Jeff as we get into the final major of the year. Once again, thanks to all of our sponsors. Thanks to all of you for joining us today in chat. Everyone making uh, us a part of your day on the podcast. Thanks so much. Don't forget, if you can, at some point, give us a five-star rating and a review on Apple Podcasts. It helps a lot. Uh, We'll be back tomorrow. Dustin Nielsen, Shane Malloy on the draft. Final last-minute picks for the Open Championship. If you want more on the Open, 3.30. I'll tweet it out. We'll be live on the CoolBet social feeds with Pat Gregoire breaking down picks for the British Open. Folks, thanks so much. We'll see you tomorrow, 1 p.m. right here on Winnipeg Sports Talk Daily. Enjoy the All-Star Game tonight, and have a great night. Oh, my God. Thanks for tuning in to Winnipeg Sports Talk Daily. Make sure to subscribe on YouTube and your favorite podcast feed at winnipegsportstalk.com. 